Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics, pop culture, and sports. And it is pop culture time today because we've been gone for a little bit, but we're back now with a review of Solo, a Star Wars movie. Spoiler alerts, heavy up front. We're going to be deep diving into the latest addition into the Disney Star Wars universe, Solo. Joining me today is Rob Kauflush. How's it going, Rob? It's going good. Happy to be back. All right. I think this makes all the Star Wars pods for you, does it not? Yeah, I don't think I've missed any of them. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Also joining me today (laughs) is Adam Bolesky from the HI101 podcast. How's it going, Big Shoots? Not too bad. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good to have you back. When was the last time you came on? Oh, goodness. Um, That's a great question. Was it... wasn't it, it might have been Black Panther? Yeah. I think it was Black Panther. Yeah, I think that's yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was you, me, and Kevin oh. did Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, um, well, great to have you back. Um, Solo's been out for a couple of weeks now, hasn't done great at the box office by Star Wars lofty standards, but uh, seems, seems to be less derisive on Twitter. It actually, actually, like, it didn't get a lot of the Twitter buzz that a Star Wars movie normally gets. Like, Last Jedi was just... Once Last Jedi came out, it was just a week of people arguing about that film straight on on any type of social media platform that exists. This one kind of came and vanished with a, with a whimper, didn't it? Yeah, I'd say that's true. It's been very, very quiet, at least uh, compared to the, some of the mainline ones, and even compared to Rogue One. Um, I don't know how much of that has to do with how closely it's following up on The Last Jedi. I mean, it has not been long since we had a different Star Wars movie. Yeah, I completely forgot that it was coming out in May. Yeah. I was I was expecting just, okay, every December there's a Star Wars movie, but we just had one uh, in December, and then Five months later, here's another one that's a pre, not a prequel to absolutely everything, but another prequel to uh, A New Hope. And uh, yeah, and I think like you guys touched on a little on something there. I think I like I don't know if it's if for this particular one if I would if I would equate it to Star Wars fatigue, or if Last Jedi just pissed off so many people that they were taking a bath on this solo movie. Or if it's just the fact that Star Wars is so rooted in nostalgia, like you hear the lightsaber sparking and you hear the the John Williams score and you hear, you know, TIE fighters ripping through the air and the sound and the blaster, pew, 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 sound effects and whatnot, and you, you get that really nice nostalgia feeling. So when you get Star Wars every six months, you kind of shoot that nostalgia money that you get right in the foot, I think. So, I don't know. I think, I, I think it, it's definitely a combination of all of those things that attributed to this this uh, less than stunning outing by Solo. Um, going into this, I, I'll say I had I had pretty low expectations. I am also on the I like I, I'm on the, uh, the the 
the, the very unpopular opinion alert of, of I, I like The Last Jedi. I like the fact that they took a lot of chances and stuff and, and that tried not to handcuff themselves to the Star Wars universe as much. Um, other people did, did, obviously the internet did not <laughs> shit, like overwhelmingly <laughs> share that opinion with me. Um, Last Jedi has been, been criticized by many. This movie, I think you can really tell that it was definitely reshot, <laughs> like based on like scene to scenes and the way they do like color palettes and and whatnot. Like Ron Howard came in and definitely brightened up a lot of the scenes and <laughs> and what and uh, you know. It's a lot Didn't of he do like eighty like, percent reshoots or something yeah, like that? Yeah, basically they had kind of shot an entire film. Who was the who were the original directors? I can't remember. I was uh, uh, Phil Lord and Chris, Chris Miller. Miller. Yeah, 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 and then. They were jettisoned uh, quite quickly and replaced with Ron Howard. Um, I, I I'll go on record and, and say that I thought this movie was fine. I like I, I I think it was fine. I had I had you know a couple problems here and there, but overall in, in an enjoyable experience. Maybe it was just because my expectations were pretty low. <laughs> it might also be because I'm not a huge Han Solo fan. I understand that that character needs to exist in the original. Star Wars trilogy, otherwise, because without him and his, you know, charisma and just genuine kind of roguish charm and likability, you're kind of just stuck with Luke Skywalker going, you know, like, uh, uh, it's impossible! <laughs> and stuff like that, and, and that, that just wouldn't be as enjoyable. So you need Han Solo. I'm not a big Han Solo guy. Neither are you, Rob. So why Correct. don't you go ahead and, and let us know how you felt about Solo, a Star Wars movie. I went in with a similar feeling. The expectations were were bottom of the barrel, um, and I came out meh. And whether it existed or not it was completely irrelevant to me. I still enjoyed. The more I keep thinking back to the movie, the, there's more parts that I, I actually did enjoy. But watching through it is just like I don't know if these movies are actually made for me anymore. And I think it might be partially because of the special effects. Because the original trilogy is a whole different version of special effects that they were doing. Um, and I, I don't know, there's something that's missing for me. But uh, I did enjoy a number of the, uh, the, the things that, um, that Han Solo did. So like the Kessel Run and the gambling with Lando and Lando. <laughs> um, but overall... Whether the movie existed or not didn't phase me at all. Adam, your th- your overall thoughts on on Solo? Yeah, I think I'm coming in right about where you are, Matt. Um, it was fine. It was uh, it was a solid, very safe movie. It was definitely a Star War, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, and I don't mean to be too down on it. I mean, we've we've had a couple of very bad Star Wars movies in the past. And this one was clearly, especially in the wake of, of some of the criticism they got in The Last Jedi, it, it was designed to be like, okay, let's not piss anyone off this time, right? And and you sort of felt that a little bit, especially with bringing in Ron Howard. Like, I can't think yeah. of a, a safer director than Ron Howard to bring in to, 
you know, fix up a project universal, they're a little worried yeah, about. Universal approval Ron Howard has. I don't like, like find me the guy who's like, you know who I don't care for? Ron Howard. Right? Yeah, like the, the, the man is a soda cracker. Like he's yeah. not, there's, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I don't love him, but you know, it's, it's good. It's all right. And yeah, the, the movie itself was kind of the same way. I enjoyed myself. I had a nice night out watching that movie, but you know, I also haven't gone back to rewatch it, and it's been a while since I, I didn't do that with the Star, Star Wars movie in theaters. So I think that says something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a great point. Uh, like, I have no desire, I think, to rewatch this flick. I like, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't trash. Like when I walked out of, I remember walking out of uh, Force Awakens and just being confused about how I felt about that film because <laughs> again, it had been super like a long time. So since we saw Star Wars flick, so there was that aspect of it, of me coming to grips with, hey, how did I feel about that flick? And after I yeah. thought about it for a while, I was like, nah, I guess I really didn't like it. And as as it went on with this, this movie, I just walked out and I was just like, all right, fun. Don't ever need to see it again, I don't think, yeah. right? Like, But, you know, but a... a decent star wars flick adam what was your opinion just give me your quick like 30 to 60 second thoughts on how you felt about last jedi just so i can get a sense of where you where you at i mean honestly i really like last jedi yeah, um you know there's there's really there's the odd problem there i yeah. i get some of the criticism it's just you know i i also kind of exist in this in this space of, of star wars fandom where like i just mostly want to see some lightsabers and some spaceships and like let's push the envelope a little bit but like i don't it, it seems like so many people are looking to have their childhood somehow recaptured and like they're asking these directors to transport them back to being nine years old. And it's like, this is a movie. It cannot do that. Nothing can do that. <laughs> um, I actually went to see Last Jedi um, a second time with my dad. And I think he's my new hero for watching Star Wars movies because we walked out and I said, you know, what did you think of that? And he, he said, it was great. It was a Star Wars movie. The facts were good. Music was good. Really enjoyed it. I said, you know, some people on the uh, on the Internet are pretty upset about this one he goes sounds like a bunch of dumbasses to me (laughs) (laughs) out of the mouth of babes (laughs) and it was it was one of those moments where it's like oh yeah i spent all day on twitter reading this stuff and it kind of gets to you a little bit it was this moment of it it was this moment of clarity with it where it was like i I just watched a star wars movie what do you want and and i i really appreciated that a lot and it's um you know, it, it's not as though I was ever that critical of those movies, but it's really given me some extra perspective. You know, go and enjoy yourself. It's there for some light entertainment. It's not supposed to be someone's core identity. It's fine. It's a Star Wars movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, I very much, very much like to be in that mindset when I go into these movies. Unfortunately, I wasn't there for <laughs> in that mindset with Solo. <laughs> Fair enough. And it's it's hard to do because it is so rooted in like your childhood, yeah. right? Like it's it's exactly. very, very hard to do. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, in terms of Last Jedi, one of the things that always gets me, you know, not to spend too much time on that rather than Solo, is everyone talks about it's like, oh, it's, you know, they went too weird with it. They went too off the beaten path. It's like, have you seen Empire or, Je- <laughs> or, or Return of the Jedi? Or like all they ever did was weird stuff. Luke spent the entire movie of Empire talking to a, a Muppet. Like this is the this is the film universe we're living in here. Don't tell me the last Jedi was too far off the beaten path. That's absolutely not true at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I just to me, it's it, I, I get back and I say this every time we do a Star Wars podcast. I just I'll be happy when we can if we can kind of close the book on the Skywalker's kind of 
era and then just mm. move on to making original Star Wars stories, which I just I, I kind of like. I think I think we'll get some honest to goodness, really good Star Wars movies once somebody just steps up to the plate and, and says, you know what, I'm going to make a Star Wars movie and it's going to have nothing to do with the original trilogy. No solos, no Skywalkers. Oh, okay. No, 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 no <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you could go a half step. This movie had nothing to do with Skywalkers. True, true. But I mean, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, like absolutely, yeah. like, has absolutely nothing. Like, there's not a character that you know in this, in, in, in this Star Wars movie. Like, you meet all, all new characters and not in that, like, Rogue One way where it's, Yes, these are all new characters, but we're building towards something that you know the ending of, right? Like, you, you know yeah. it very well. Which I thought was a really uh, safe first outing for the mm-hmm. Star Wars storyline. I thought that was a really smart way to go. I mean, obviously it brings the the inevitable, okay, another, another Death Star movie uh, type criticisms. But at least it gave us a story that, like, while we knew the broad strokes of the ending, like, you could actually feel worried about some of the characters involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you didn't know the ending to every single little piece of the plot. And then they put a nice little bow on it at the end with spoiler alert if you haven't seen Rogue One, but everybody dies at the end, right? And I was, and it was just like, this is great. We never have to come back to visit any of these characters, right? I mm-hmm. honestly didn't see that coming in that movie. Yeah, really. it felt it felt like the only ending that made any sense. Though it, it, I would have been it, so upset if they, oh, you know, somehow as it was magic away. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But going into the movie not knowing, I didn't think they would do that. Yeah, so well, it was great the, to see, and that was one of my main issues with Solo is that I kn- there were no stakes when Solo got into trouble. I knew yeah. he wasn't going to die or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So in the castle run, when things were getting a little hairy and that like gravity well was pulling them in, it's like, they get out. Yeah, like, that, that was... I did enjoy <laughs> there, there was that no sequence. stakes in this situation. It just looks really cool. Yeah, I did enjoy that sequence, though, when they... Like, I, like visually, I thought that that was stunning. And I did like that they tried to do the... the they tried to pull the shoot on you there when he's like, all right... Punch it! And you're like, all right, we're just, <laughs> yeah. we're just gonna fly out of here, and it goes like, you know, boo, 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 boo. And I was like, and I, for like two seconds there, I was like, well, this is fucked up. <laughs> right? like, and then all of a sudden, it was like, sack, pew! And they, they, they told me they fixed it. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for, right? Like he didn't, yeah. Um, that that brings me to a bigger point that I actually really liked about this movie in general, though. <laughs> Which is that when everyone talks about Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon and all this, they talk about how great they are and how cool they are, and they're actually kind of shit. Like, if you watch the <laughs> yeah. original trilogy, that, that ship is garbage. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so bad. It's the most beat-up piece of crap, because he can't afford to fix it, right? Like he, and him Solo... And, him and Chewie are always getting at hillbilly tune-ups. Right? right? Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, like, Solo is such... Like, he, he talks a big game, but, like, he's kind of... Like, he, he's pretty bad. He's pretty bad at most stuff that he does. Um, I was a little worried they were going to make him too cool in this movie. I was a little worried they were going to make him too capable, uh, too awesome, and that like you'd really lose that sense of of who Han Solo is. And I'm really glad that they stayed true to that. Man, he still kind of sucked in this movie. Well, I didn't find him to be a focal point in this movie at all. No, no. not really. So like the movie's called Solo, and yet the people around him are more important and have more focus. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think you're right where they... Now, that said, like, I completely agree with you, Adam, that he didn't exactly seem super capable in this movie. No. But there was a little bit of, like, like Mary sue type thing. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, Mary- he was covered in plot armor. Absolutely. Yeah, like, like, all of a sudden he was, you know, he's a gifted pilot. He's also a great poker player. He also speaks Wookiee. Where did he come from? 
sewer planet, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> apparently he just learned all this stuff in the sewers of, of Corellia, and it was like, all right, whatever, proceed, right? Like, you just kind of, yeah. Sure. Yeah, he, he, he definitely had a little, little bit of plot armor in that. Um, did you think that this movie was too nod-heavy? Yes. Uh, okay. A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. I mean, listen, it, it was fun to watch and see all of this happen, but then like the second you step back, it's like, okay, so Han Solo met Chewbacca and Lando and got his blaster and got the Millennium Falcon all in like the same couple of days. Like, yeah, it definitely yeah. felt like a 24 hour period that this three days happened. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely had a joke going with a coworker that we were going to make up <laughs> bingo cards uh, for going into the movie um, with things like, you know, gets black, uh, you know, there's some sort of see kid. That's why you always shoot first or something like that. Like, cause you know, it's coming in there and all those beats, they're going to do the Kessel run. Uh, like all of that stuff, you knew it going in and most of them ended up being hits. The only one I think we really missed was uh, we had Amelia Clark dying as the center square. Uh, cause that just seemed like, <laughs> yeah, like that very, seemed like very, a lock. yeah, definitely. I, my, although I I was there for that Bosk reference though, <laughs> like I was, I was oh yeah I was there for that Bosk reference and they're like why yeah. don't we just go get Bosk and I was just like woo Bosk <laughs> right? like, oh that, yeah that one was all right um you don't want Dengar <laughs> Dengar <laughs> yeah that was good well Bosk will take his shoes off though uh, I. Yeah, like him playing Savak and whatnot with the. God, yeah, there were so many <laughs> references. It's hard to keep track of them in this one. I'm really glad they didn't. Because uh, I don't need to know how to play Savak. No. No, definitely not. I actually don't even know. Like, Savak is in a lot of Star Wars RPGs and whatnot, and I, to this day, still don't know how to play it. And. I'm just glad that they didn't try to invent some sort of, like, space version of, of Texas Hold'em that was already in existence, like they did in that Casino Royale remake where Bond was, they're like, people don't understand Baccarat, have him playing Texas Hold'em, right? And it was just like, right. alright, here we go, he's playing Texas Hold'em. Um, I'd, I'd have to say, my biggest... I mean, we'll get into some of the stuff that we didn't like before we get into some of the stuff we like. But um, I'd have to say that my biggest problem with this particular flick was I, I, I felt like everything was weirdly coincidental in this flick, Rob. Yeah. Like, a lot of what goes on with Han Solo in this film is he meets Chewie kind of by coincidence. He runs back into Amelia Clark's character Kira by coincidence. He meets Tobias Beckett, who kind of shapes the entire course of, I was going to say his life, but as Adam so succinctly pointed out, I guess the next two days of his life or whatever it was. <laughs> At the very least, there was one night. <laughs> yeah. They camped out one night for sure. Whether there was a second one, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know because they definitely skipped a lot of planning. It, it definitely was like a week tops, right? Like like this movie yeah. absolutely took place over a week. So, yeah, I just think that my, my biggest problem with this movie is just like the fact that like, him just like the, the plot was predicated <laughs> just on him coincidentally running into people all the time. Like, hey, Chewie's here yeah. now. And hey, Kira's back. And hey. This is uh, Woody Harrelson's character, although I'm happy to have Woody Harrelson's character, and I was 
sad when he bit it at the end because we'll never get him anymore and he was just a joy to be with every time he was on screen my favorite line in the entire movie i would honestly say was uh again spoiler alert if you're this deep was at the twist when it turned out uh woody harrelson's character had uh, sold him out to uh that weird paul bitney character who we'll, we'll, we'll get into the to the problems with that particular not performance but just the existence of that character was dryden, dryden voss dryden voss right yeah it was uh like after the betrayal thing kind of happens and then they're like so that's really the the what was it the coax coaxial cable or whatever the hell they wanted to call it and he shoots the other two bodyguards and then he's like whoa what are you doing and he goes i'm thinking and i kind of want to be the only guy holding the blaster while i do my thinking <laughs> and I was just like, like that's a good line that's that's a, that was probably my favorite line of yeah. the entire movie. <laughs> just like yeah <laughs> oh man um, and that that was a great line and a great situation for like a rogue smuggler type to do. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I really like that. I, I did like that twist. I thought that that yeah. was the most Han Solo that stuff kind of got. The other stuff that kind of surrounded it where I guess Han Solo starts the rebellion didn't really that, like that. That stuff didn't really gel with me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like that. That one kind of. Unless that had precedence earlier with whether it be comics or novels or something, that just seemed like another way to tie it in that the, what is it, like the main trilogy, like it's those people had it to do, everything re revolved around them. Apparently they're in the Star Wars comic books from what I, from what I've read. Now I don't really Oh really? Read. Where? Uh, Infus Nest? I'm not sure. Okay. I'd, I'd have to Google that character. I just, I got some, like, this is from some of my Twitter peeps that, uh, that mention this sort of thing. I can certainly Google it, but, uh, yeah, apparently they're in some run that's going on in the, in the comic books right now. Because, like, okay. the, yeah, the people that they're doing are called the Cloud Raiders, and they never explicitly mention that in this movie that they were called the Cloud Raiders or, or... Or anything like that. Um, I just I find it a little funny, um, and maybe I just haven't thought it all the way through. Between the way Han acts in A New Hope and the way he acts in Solo, with helping a rebellion and then wanting nothing to do with a rebellion. So he starts off by helping it get started, assuming it is the same one. Mm -hmm. um, and then later on, he was like, I'm out. I want nothing to do with this. You're on your own. Honestly, I was kind of hoping for like a more naive uh, Han Solo who maybe got bit for trying to help. That was kind of the angle I was expecting them to Yeah, go. That's not bad. So, yeah, Something like where he was trying to do good, but it, it turns out to go real south. And that's why he's a little jaded towards helping out in the future. <laughs> And, and that's why I assumed Amelia Clark's character was going to end up dead, was that she'd be wrapped up in that somehow. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I messaged this to Rob. I, ne I never messaged this to you, Adam. But about, mm. I, I would say th about two, three weeks before the movie actually came out, I had to, I had this little inkling, and I, and I threw this uh, idea past Rob and a few other guys, and, and that, you know, some of the other guys that come on this podcast. And they... They kind of seem to agree with me that this would kind of be the way to end it. But I also would have been down for an ending where... And it was kind of set up there, too, right? Where where they had this, this co 
Coaxium or whatever the heck it was called, where it was like, we can sell this for a shitload of dimes in the Star Wars universe, and I can be super rich. I, I kind of wanted a moment where Han Solo takes the money and runs. You know, I was down for that. I was down for him being the scoundrel, the smuggler, who was like... Like, I was half expecting him to kind of betray Amelia Clark at the end and be like, no, nope, I'm, I'm just all about that money. And I'm, mm. I'm, I'm Han Solo. Because then it would, it, would, it would make the moment in A New Hope so much more poignant where he does come back, right? Because he, he tells Luke, you know, like, I, I, you know, I need this money. I got to go. I got to take it. I got to pay off Jabba the Hutt. Otherwise, I'm going to be killed. I don't care. I'm not part of this rebellion. I just took a job. I'm leaving now. See ya. Good luck blowing up the Death Star. I'm not going on that run. And then he shows up and, you know, does the woohoo! And he goes, you're all clear, kid. Blow this thing and go home. And it, and it was like, oh my god, he came back. And also it was like the 70s, right? So you, you didn't necessarily have it beat into you that of course he's going to come back, right? And I just, I just thought it would have made it a little bit more poignant to that character if at some point in this movie Han Solo just kind of took the money and ran. And they never did that, and also doubled down by literally having Amelia Clark say to him, "You're the good guy." <laughs> Remember, <laughs> like that yeah, was a literal yeah. line in the movie, and well, and he just went about his day. And I was just kind of like, ah, I didn't like that very much. I mean, I think the only two ways you can go with that character in, uh, you know, a a young Han Solo story is either he's a bitter, jaded ass the entire time, so that something, so that it means something in New Hope. Or he starts off in, as an idealist and gets that beaten out of him somehow so that coming back to idealism in New Hope means something. And it didn't really do either of those, really, which is kind of interesting to me. Now, I know they've talked about doing more young Han Solo movies, and maybe they'll consider that for the arc. I don't know. But like, I didn't really have that sense of, wow, I can't believe this is the guy who ends up you know, rescuing Luke at the end of New Hope. Like, of course he's going to. Of course that guy does. One of the conversations I like to have with these new Star Wars movies, and Rob and I had this conversation when we did our Rogue One review pretty much five minutes after we saw the flick, was I, I like the movies. I, I don't like Star Wars to be this kind of tightly compacted universe. I want it to be this big grand universe where we can go to all sorts of places and meet all sorts of different alien races and cultures and, and, and stuff like that, which they kind of shy away from in Star Wars. I guess they just kind of leave that to the Star Trek people if you want to know about the other alien cultures. I'd like to see them explore it more in Star Wars. Force Awakens to me, one of the main reasons I didn't like it was it was so close to A New Hope that I felt like they didn't expand upon the universe or build upon it. They just kind of stayed within this box that they've got. Um, one of the aspects of Rogue One that I really liked was they actually went to some of the Jedi temples and they saw that the Empire were mining, you know, the crystals that the Jedi used to power their lightsabers, etc., etc., from this and were using it to power their ultimate weapon, the Death Star. And I remember being floored by that because I'm like, oh my god, we actually have Jedi temples now and they mentioned the crystals and, like, we're actually, like, building upon the universe. Did Star Wars... Did Solo... Do you, do you feel that that built upon the universe? Do you feel like it, it made Star Wars uh, feel bigger or smaller? Let's start with Rob. In that regard, I don't think it built on it that much. I guess it did a little bit. The one thing that surprised me was uh, I was under the impression that 
Chewie was essentially the last Wookiee and had been for a really long time. Um, but in Solo, that was clearly not the case. So I guess it's a little bigger still. I don't know. I where can't really get, answer this question. <laughs> where did you get that impression? I'm really curious about that. I'm not going to like call you out. I'm just very, very curious. Honestly, I think it was just really focused on the one line that Jabba the Hutt had in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the last Wookiee. It's the mighty Chewbacca yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's, it's funny it how stuff be, like that from when you're be, a kid kind of sticks in your head. but It might just be that he was on, the only Wookiee that was ever shown. There was no reference to that any other Wookiees were even around still. And yeah, yeah, yeah. they were, they were all on their own one planet. Um, which was obviously in uh, Revenge of the Sith. But then yeah. that takes place years before and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah no, I guess it might just be, like, yeah, focusing on the certain things. I, th- I think you're right the, with, with making the Wookiees definitely seem more, because I didn't even think of that. Because you know what part of the movie actually floored me where I was like, wow, we should explore more of that? was there's the moment where there's like the at the very beginning it's like this two second throwaway part so maybe this is just me but this this like floored me and fascinated me and i was like wow i would really like to see that movie but the empire recruitment video that showed at like the beginning of the flick where it's like you know join the empire and come fight you know like you know the march of war in space right and it was yeah i was just like wow that's fascinating i guess that's something they would have to do right they would need bodies to be stormtroopers so they would have to recruit people and it's just like boy if we could only like explain some of that like explore some of that i guess may i guess maybe like that uh, to me that just made the universe seem bigger to me where there'd be like yeah. we're on this sewer planet where every life is kind of shitty and, and there's there's people you know being forced to bring diamonds to this weird slug monster that's hanging out in the sewers of corellia and, you know, you see the oh, Empire yeah. there, and they're like, hey, you know, sign up with us. We'll give you a shiny new suit, and you'll get to kill things. And it'll be like, you know, you'd be, you'd kind of be sitting there, you know, covered in, you know, space mud. And you'd be like, that eh, doesn't sound half bad. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> and, and then just, and, and, and kind of go, ah. Uh, to, to, to interrupt, prior to this movie, did we know that Han uh, was in the was a part of the empire briefly not to my knowledge i don't i don't go that deep i don't know maybe maybe adam has a different answer but i when when han joined the empire i was like whoa that was something so in the um in the legends books yeah yeah he was yeah there was actually it was actually one of the better uh book series in the Legends series there was like a han solo trilogy Hmm. which basically did exactly what these movies are trying to do they covered like the 10 years ish before uh, New Hope. It's just they also took three books to do what this movie tried to do in like three days, um, and it was what much better thought out. You know, he was like raised by a, you know, um, the the one like caretaker in the little criminal syndicate was a Wookiee. That's how he learned to speak it, and you know, he learned to fly in the Empire. He's flying Tie Fighters, not not kind of scrambling around on the ground, and some stuff that like makes a little more sense how he's able to do say, so much that stuff. That sounds like it makes a lot more sense than what they tried to do in this movie. It was it was. For for a book in that that's been relegated to the legend series, it was well thought out. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I really I, I kind of liked it the the idea of him joining the empire, but the, I, oh, I, I didn't oh like me too. Movie. I just couldn't remember if it was actually yeah. something we had known or like were expecting. 
But as soon as he signed up, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and he's probably I, not going to be in it for very long. I'm, Honestly, the only thing that surprised me about it, and, and this is pulling from those books somewhat too, but the way they have him meet Chewbacca and leave the Empire in the books is that all the Wookiees are enslaved by the Empire, right? Uh, Han doesn't really tolerate seeing Chewbacca being, you know, beaten within an inch of his life. And uh, uh, I can't remember if he kills an officer to, to help break him out or something like that. But that's how he leaves the service and uh, gains the life debt from Chewbacca. Not ending up in a pit with him where he eats other people. What the, what was that? Yeah, and the life <laughs> debt thing, the life debt thing didn't really stick to me in this one. That I thought was one of the weaker parts of the film. Because if I'm Chewbacca, I'm like, I'm not following this guy around, right? Like, it's just, it didn't really see, And it also seemed like Chewbacca did most of the work to escape. He just kind of noticed that the post was rickety. And he's like, oh, That was man, literally all he did. Yeah, you noticed that the post was rickety. Now I got to follow you around for the rest of my life. It's just, it, yeah, the life debt thing, it, it, yeah, their portrayal of it definitely didn't stick for me yeah. in this. But I, I'm, I, was, I was with it to get more Chewbacca, to be perfectly honest with you. Um... I honestly think that the biggest problem I had with this film is that there's no real villain in the movie. It's kind of just they, they've got a job to do. And it's like, are we going to be able to accomplish this job? And, and Paul Bittany, yes, he is there as, as Dryden Voss, and he is this kind of guy who's lurking over this whole thing, but he's only on screen for about five minutes total, so... He chews the scenery when he's on there. Oh, though, yeah. Right? Ass, oh, yeah. Num, oh, num, 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 And, and he <laughs> had to, because he, because, he, like, you, you, you know that he wasn't originally cast for this, right? It's the dude from, uh, it's the dude who played Omar in The Wire, Michael K. Williams. Really? Yeah. That's oh, awesome. He was originally cast, and they shot the movie with him. Like, really? I don't know if we'll ever get, like, a Lord and Miller cut of this movie where they show, but they shot the, the, all the Dryden Voss scenes with Michael K. Williams. Ooh, and I love Paul Bittany, but Michael K. Williams would have been uh, a tad more threatening in my mind than than, uh, than Paul Bittany doing his, you know, posh kind of... I'm speaking very eloquently, but in a in a manner that might present that I will kill you. But I guess, yeah, they, they shot the whole movie, and then when they replaced uh, Lord Miller with, uh, with Ron Howard, they needed to reshoot it, and Michael K. Williams was up to something else. So they were like, all right, fuck it, we got to go with someone else. And Paul Bittany happened to be available, but you can tell he was only on screen for five minutes. So they, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it came out that they shot Paul Bittany out in like a day, right? Like two days tops. He's like, he's not on, he's not on set on the star Wars set for like longer than, than a week. Right. Like I, I don't, I don't, he definitely wasn't there, but, uh, and also like the Dryden Voss character was originally supposed to be some sort of creature in the Star Wars universe. I don't know if they put uh, Michael K. Williams in any kind of makeup or anything. But obviously right. Paul Bittany's like, no, I just spent like seven months or whatever it was in red makeup for fucking Infinity War. I'm not putting it like, I'm not, I'm not letting you put like, like I'm here, you're going to shoot me out in two days, right? So it's like, yeah. Um... I just it yeah it never really felt like there was there's a big looming threat over Han the entire time. It's just he kind of goes somewhere and he's on a job and this job might go sour and if it does he yeah. might get captured or killed. And Rob mentioned earlier there was the gravity well part where he was like getting sucked into to the void of space and you were just kind of like he'll get out of this. But uh, but yeah the stakes were very low. But that's yeah. the, that's the type of thing you 
but without there being a like necessarily a clear villain, like you say, it is a heist movie. Yeah, that was the exact point I was going to make. <laughs> yeah, it's, that it's was the exact yeah, Ocean's, point I was going to make. Ocean's Eleven in space, right? It's, it's yeah, like yeah. Lowe's Five in a, space or whatever it was. Yeah, there's a villain in Ocean's Eleven. Technically, the main thing he does wrong is not want his casino to get robbed. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, like that's you don't you don't necessarily need that. It's about pulling off the job. The job is the adversary here. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, you're right. Andy Garcia, what did he ever do that was bad in that movie in in, in Ocean's <laughs> Eleven? Right. He's like, I'm just trying to do my job, make sure my casino doesn't get robbed. Um, where did you guys stand? on l3 let's start with adam l337 by the way leaked is the full name of phoebe waller bridges l3 character yeah um a lot of love for this character on the internet i listened to the binge mode podcast which comes highly recommended by matt pierce and they loved l3 in their star wars like every time they review everything they always award their champion's purse to whoever they felt won, you know, the the episode or movie, whatever they happen to be talking about, and right. they awarded their champion's purse for Solo to L three. What really? Say, yes. What say you, Adam Bolesky? Uh I say really. Um, no, <laughs> I, I very much. I agree. feel like I feel like they were looking for another K two S O who was yeah. amazing, um, and kind of fell a little short of the mark. The whole robots rights thing was a little. I don't know. the The jokes fell flat for me, and um, yeah, I, I. It feels like the main reason she was there was to do two things. Number one, make the the ground game on Castle as complicated as possible, yeah. uh, to you know stretch the movie a little bit more. And yep. number two, to explain a couple of throwaway jokes in Empire about the Falcon's computer being. Uh, you know, ha- having a, a foul mouth or whatever it was. I yeah. don't know the exact yeah. line. Um, which, you know, when they uploaded her, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I understood that reference. Um, and that was about it for me. Um, the peculiar dialect was the line by C-3PO. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a protocol droid. He does have to be uh, yeah. a little roundabout. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate her. I just wasn't really that... Um, I, I was never really looking for more of it either. Rob, your thoughts on L337? They were trying to give more character to the droids than the than the people. Yeah. It seemed like. But I really did enjoy the fact that when she started having the revolution there on uh, during the castle run, it's like, oh shit, Skynet's going live. <laughs> That's what ran through my mind. <laughs> I found that to be amusing. Jar Jar but, uh, Jar Jar Jace yeah. for me. Jar Jar Jace. Yeah, Jar Jar Jace for me. Not, not, wasn't into it whatsoever. Um, yeah, when she got shot and they, they really just, I don't know, they really tried to bang home that whole pansexual thing for, for Lando Calrissian with this yeah. droid thing. And it was just like, I don't know, who's. Whoever said that in the marketing overstepped and then just stuck to their guns, in my exactly. opinion. It was, yeah. It was, they, like, I. Listen, I have no issue with with a little bit more inclusivity in Star Wars movies. God knows we need it at this point, but pansexual, really? Yeah, mm, that was not quite. Yeah. No, he he just wanted to get freaky with his robot. That's a little different. Yeah, oh, it was, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I did. I did not care for that whatsoever. 
wasn't wasn't for it. Wasn't for it. Yeah. So L L three is is maybe I'm being a tad harsh, but she's she's Jar Jar Jace for me. Um, let's talk about Donald Glover, Lando Calrissian, one of my all time favorite Star Wars characters of all time. Name my dog Lando for God's sake. Um, clearly hate the character. Yeah, clearly hate the character. <laughs> I thought I thought he was great. You but. You could definitely tell from scene to scene that some of the scenes he's kicking the Miller and Lord version of Calrissian, and then yeah. in other scenes he's kicking the uh, the Ron Howard version. So little inconsistency. Not gonna lay it at the feet of Donald Glover because you know when you reshoot and you change scenes and, and tone, that shit's gonna happen. But every time he was on screen, I was just like, this is great stuff. Um, your thoughts, Rob? Uh, I completely agree. The the first when it what was it when Han first showed up and Lando was doing his gambling thing, Donald Glover uh, mimicked the voice of uh, yeah. original uh, calling, Lando, calling him Han instead of Han, and just yeah. like, kept doing it. <laughs> Fucking brilliant! So great. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed the, the, the part when uh, he was, like, recording. He was podcasting or uh, vlogging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. found that yeah, to be was, incredibly amusing. Yeah, he's basically doing, what is it, Stardate, whatever, Captain's Log. It was yeah. He was yeah. Writing, he was writing his memoirs. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I never would have imagined Lando doing that. But when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I could see him doing it. No question about it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with Lando. He, he always, again, gets that reputation for being like very suave, very sophisticated. It's kind of like, you know, he's greasy too, right? You know, he's skeezy. And this and movie then, did a really good job of bringing that out a little bit, uh, letting, letting when, you see behind it a bit. When he was uh, playing cards and all that. And it's like, okay, so how does how does Han swindle him out of the out of the Millennium Falcon? It's like, oh, no, he actually got played correctly. Lando couldn't cheat. By having his trick card up his sleeve. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought that was great. I really enjoyed that because like I was expecting him, and, and like that was kind of a, a good way to swerve the hardcore Star Wars fans, right? Like it, when they played the first game, it's like, oh man, he's just gonna win it, and then he's gonna have the Falcon, and that's gonna be it. But he just goes, no, I win, and then you find out he was cheating, and it's like, oh man, they're gonna play again at the end of the film. Uh, yeah, really, really. He was the highlight of the movie for me. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the blaster line from from uh, Woody Harrelson was one of my was my favorite line. My second favorite line might have easily been. Not, I mean, a bit nod heavy as as we mentioned earlier, but I still was there for the line where he turns to Han and he goes, "I hate you," and then Han just goes, "I know." <laughs> like, like, I was I was there I was there for that one. Uh, Woody Harrelson, Adam, where, where where do you stand on on his performance in this film? Oh, I thought he was amazing. I I really like Woody Harrelson though, but like this is the kind of role that he ex- he especially yeah. shines in, right? Like that whole kind of more morally ambiguous, probably leaning good, but like isn't afraid to do what needs to be done. Um, and he always seems to do really well as a mentor as well. So like check 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 check. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, I was there for it. Rob, how did you feel about Amelia Clark's performance in this film? Uh, 
not quite Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be as fiery no. as in this particular one. Honestly, no. she, uh, I, like, I don't want to cast aspersions with what I'm about to say, but this <clears> is my take on it. She really just had to show up on set as Amelia Clark to me. Like, like that was it. She just had to kind of show. It's just you just show up, Amelia Clark, and you have those those big baby blues that you just kind of look at, look at, you know, the camera with, and and you'll be fine. And th- that was kind of the way they went with it. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. painting with a broad brush there, but uh... I feel yeah. like they had. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say is like what Adam was saying uh, before. Um, I'm surprised that Amelia's character survived. It, I think it would have made more sense that if she didn't, but yeah. who knows what they're trying to do by extending the, because we haven't talked about how that all ended yet. Um, what they're trying to paint for the future of other stories. And what is it? The Crimson something? The Crimson Dawn. Crimson yep. Dawn. So they're clearly painting something there or, or heading towards that, which apparently is in Rebels. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I guess we can get into that right now because I don't watch Star Wars Rebels, so I'm I'm not sure. I know that it was it Rebels or was it uh, the Clone Wars series that Darth Maul is still alive in and has robot legs. Both. It's both. Okay, so yeah. he's in both. But it like it initially came back in that in that uh, in that in that Clone Wars series, right? Adam. With yeah, the, that's right. Uh, with the Oh god, the little girl uh, Ahsoka or something I think is her name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um I for half a second got my voice up. I thought it was going to be Ventress who was in the uh, <laughs> who was in the Yo. I I was like, "Oh." That would have been so good. I I thought it was going to be Ventress, but I guess that would have been too deep. And not only did they have to not only did they they be like, "Is this Darth Maul?" when when he peeled back the hood. Like I was just kind of like, oh, I guess that's Darth Maul, but is it Darth? And then Ron Howard, I guess, subconsciously at some point made the decision of like, okay, we got to make sure that this is Darth Maul. We got to let the audience know that this is absolutely Darth Maul and not just some other Zabrak, right? So we have to have him <laughs> like force bring a <laughs> double-edged lightsaber to him. Not just any lightsaber; it has to be the specific double-ended, like you know, double-edged lightsaber. And then he has to spark it, right? To be like, yeah, that's Darth Maul, thus killing my dream of there one day being a Star Wars movie where nobody sparks a lightsaber. I've been so close twice in like the the last 10 seconds of the final act of both the prequel movies, a red lightsaber gets sparked for no reason other than to just be like, we got to throw a lightsaber in there somewhere. It's just like, God damn it. I legit laughed in the theater when Darth Maul stripped turned on his lightsaber. <laughs> like, no. Particularly because of your reaction, Pierce. <laughs> I just like, it was cool enough. We knew it was Darth Maul. Why did he have to grab the lightsaber? I guess they really had yeah. to hammer home the point. Yeah, um, Ron Howard might as well come on with his Arrested Development like narrator voice and said, yeah. it was Darth Maul. Yeah, basically. Like, like, yeah. It's like, Amelia Clark wasn't really sure if it was Darth Maul. <laughs> It was, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'm just I'm just imagining her like rolling her eyes and being like, Oh my god, he ends every call this way. Like <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. You've got a lightsaber, buddy. 
Oh, God. And he's just sitting there, like, waiting for that call. And he's like, or it's as if he was like, oh, crap, I'm getting a call. Give me the hood. Give me the hood. And he, like, puts the hood and, like, gets in the chair. And then he's like, all right, answer it. <laughs> so he's, like, sitting there. Yeah, for half a second, I thought it was going to be um, Ventress. And I was just like, I, like I, I'm just, man, I want Ventress to show up in the live action. Yeah. That would be very cool. So With Clone Wars and um, Rebels, I'm sure it was very obvious to other people who that would have been like yeah. th that it was Darth Maul mm -hmm. I've never watched either of those I had no idea that well I knew Darth Maul had still existed and he got his robot legs and all that stuff but for him to be in the movie I wouldn't have known um I would have liked to see that scene instead of him pulling back the hood to like oh is that Darth Maul and then turning on the lightsaber they did the one one of the shots was it was showing Amelia Clark and it had the lightsaber reflecting in her eyes. I would have liked to see that shot still happen then, but not have Darth Maul pull back his hood, just have him turn on the lightsaber and you see that there's some Palpatine type person chewing out Amelia Clark's character and then a lightsaber goes off and you see the, that reflection in her eyes and just leave it at that and leaving the people that don't know wondering who the fuck is that? Yeah. And the people that do know can spoil it for them for in two seconds on the internet, but that's their problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think part of the problem like... there though, is that like, you can't expect everyone who goes to see a star Wars movie to, you know, immediately jump on Twitter and watch, you know, 20 YouTube videos that are explaining the end of well, solo exactly. star Wars story. Like but, leave like, some surprise in there. Sure. I suppose. But like, I mean, at, at that point, like, if you're going to tell people it's Darth Maul, just tell them it's Darth Maul. I thought it was amazing seeing Ray Park's face after, like, 20 years. Yeah. He's, he's aged. It was weird. But, like, of course he has. Um, seeing him as Darth Maul again was amazing. I did not see that coming in the least. And um, other than the, you know, the, the vague uh, um, illusions through Crimson Dawn, but, like, to, to actually see him on screen to have them finally acknowledge something that's been like bubbling just under canon for i don't know a decade now in comics and in the tv shows and stuff it was cool to see them actually bring it into the full like movie canon and sure. and, and I, like I definitively definitively put it in front of you i yeah. didn't need the lightsaber though i i just want to really hammer that home he yeah. did not have to turn that on no no. That was so bad. Oh, <laughs> well, not that, only that, that it felt was like a, a personal attack saber. on me. It really did. It really. It did. was I a new lightsaber like, yeah. because it had some sort of uh, hilt thingy on it. Yeah, yeah there was like a hook similar to what uh, whatever Kylo Ren's got, but it's more of a guard yeah. that you could hold there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that's actually um, the one that he had in the show. I mean, again, it's another nod for people who watch. Yeah, it's got like a curved. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's, like, it's... Could, like it looked like he, if his lightsaber somehow failed, he could still bury that into the side of a dude's head. If he, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it looked like. Um, I mean, I was with it for Maul, and I, I couldn't agree more, Adam, with the with your nearly twenty years of something. But and also, it goes ahead and retcons something for me that I thought was one of the worst, like one of the biggest problems I had with Phantom Menace, which you know we all agree is a deplorable movie. But, Correct. And we can talk about, you know, Jar Jar and, and Anakin being 10 years old in that movie. And we can talk about how crappy that stuff was and, and, and whatnot. To me, the biggest problem I always had with Phantom Menace was I always felt that, uh, oh, God, Ewan McGregor's version of Obi-Wan Kenobi absolutely killed Darth Maul in Cold Blood and Anger which yeah. never gelled with me, giving the whole thing of 
the fight in Last Jedi or Last Jedi and the fight in Return of the Jedi between Luke and Vader and when when Luke is like hammering like give, like for, literally chopping wood on Vader with with his lightsaber and then cuts his hand off and the Emperor is like you know good give into your hate and your anger and murder him and become my new apprentice and then he has to like swallow all of his anger and go no and then throws throws the lightsaber for Obi-Wan to see Qui-Gon Jinn get killed and then literally go on like like blind rage <laughs> just go and like murder Darth Maul to me I was always just like he just murdered him in cold blood and revenge all the things the Jedi say lead to the dark side right like that never yeah. said so that does kind of retcon you know one of my favorite Star Wars characters in Obi-Wan to kind of be like alright <laughs> like I well, guess I'll sort it of it retcons the now. murder it yeah. retcons the murder but not to destroy Obi-Wan for you but doesn't really retcon Obi-Wan agree no. because I know. he's it, it, still it doing it, all of that I completely agree it makes it it doesn't completely wash it away but it fixes it just a little bit for me just like that little bit where i could kind of go all right proceed right like yeah. well the problem is that it's not a like it's not an issue that can be patched the way that like you know the thermal exhaust ports got patched in in rogue one which like fun. oh here's here's an explanation like the the absence of Darth Maul from the entire prequel trilogy means that Obi-Wan has nothing to do for a movie and a half. Like, he goes play space detective for all of Clone Wars, or Attack the Clones, and then he's not really doing that much for uh, Revenge of the Sith until Anakin finally turns, because that's the next time he's needed. If they had given him Maul as, like, a, a something to measure character growth against, like, this is the person who killed my master, this is the person who bested me in battle, all of that stuff, it could have given him something to actually develop against. Instead, it was, you know, this is the person who killed my master, and he's done and he's falling down a vent in half i guess he's dead um you can say he's still alive that's fine but where was he for the past 10 years and why wasn't that making the prequel trilogy more interesting for me yeah yeah that's 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 the fly in the ointment right <laughs> of, mm. of maul being back not only that but um you know if he's back now, why wasn't he helping the Emperor Invader, right? In, in, in other movies, that was um, well. That was Dave. One thing I got that... a bunch of I got a bunch of texts from Dave saying like he did not like that Darth Maul cameo at all because he he felt it it uh, and I don't I don't want to put words in his mouth or anything, but I get the sense from him that he felt it kind of destroys the continuity of Star Wars going forward. Like it retroactively kind of kills episodes four, five, and six because it's like, well, why isn't Darth Maul there? Which... Well, my, my one question is, did how did Palpatine not know that Darth Maul was still alive? Yeah, like, I mean, this brings me to my next question. Do you want more solo movies, Rob? Because no. maybe, <laughs> that's the, maybe that's the explanation we get, is if we get more solo movies. Like, maybe. Like, I don't know. Adam, like, you watch... Like, that was pretty distinct, and I completely agree with you, by the way. Well, okay. Well, okay, I just want to expand upon your Deadpool 2-style review of that question. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I... Uh, I, Like, uh, the no was enough for me. Let me me just... But but I I do want to expand upon one thing. If there's more... If there are more solo movies purely because of Darth Maul, why was Han... And they interact in any way why was han solo so surprised about obi-wan and luke skywalker and the force 
Yeah. Would that have come yeah. up if Darth Maul's around? Yeah, these are questions. <laughs> these so are questions. I mean, what I'd like to see, and I mean, my answer is yes with a giant asterisk, which is that I, I'm very interested in the in the dynamic that they're setting up here. I would like to see more uh, Crimson Dawn intrigue. I would like to see maybe some more of the underbelly of the galaxy. Whether or not Han has to be there or even specifically involved in the higher level machinations of it all, eh, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't need to be there for that to be a compelling story for me. It's a, it's an aspect of Star Wars we've only ever really seen through specifically Han and Jabba's palace and like a couple of those little things here and there. Not not something that we've really dived into. And if we get that chance, that would be great. But Han doesn't actually have to be there for it. I completely agree. And that's where I was going to jump in afterwards. Yeah, Han doesn't need to be a part of any of that. We can easily have a ton of various Star Wars movies involving completely new people. And I'm sure people will, up like, moviegoers will thoroughly enjoy it if they enjoy Star Wars. There's no reason for them not to. No. Like you said, Pierce, we, we can have people other than the Skywalker family. I've, I've always been there, and my, my, my dream for the Star Wars franchise has always been that I would like to see a movie about... Like, like I just do, like, a film noir detective-y type movie, but, like, a day in the life of a bounty hunter. But, like, a bounty hunter we've never heard of before. Not Boba Fett, a bounty hunter we've never heard of before who takes a job, and then the job isn't what it seems, and then obviously get better people than me to, to fill in the... You know, to, to actually write the fucking thing. But... Yeah, you could easily do a, a, a true crime novel type of thing with Star Wars and then easily intertwine Crimson Dawn and easily intertwine Sith Lords and, and, and stuff yeah. like that. And I just that that that's what I'm for. I'm I'm, I'm I, I, I wanna see that movie. That's that's the Star Wars movie I wanna see. I don't wanna see the Boba Fett movie or anything like that. I, I, and if they really wanna go all uh, force crazy they can go back to the way beginning, like yeah, much like, earlier. Moment, please, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, do that. Where you can have like, like entire armies of Sith lords and like, like just like fifty red lightsabers running at fifty various <laughs> other colored lightsabers, and it's just like, woo, <laughs> right? Just, just big like Lord of the Rings, but lightsabers are everywhere. Because then even I'll be happy that someone turned on a lightsaber. Right? And for the trailer, they can just show this massive clusterfuck of lightsabers, and then just a voice going over, "Is this what you want?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the best pitches I heard when they first started talking about doing the the stories, the off ones, um, isn't going to happen. They've said now that it's not going to happen. But I forget which director pitched doing a Star Wars version of Seven Samurai or um, Magnificent Seven, where you set it you set it in between the prequel and the and the original trilogies. You have a planet with the Empire coming, and you have seven Jedi who managed to escape the purge protecting that planet from the empire coming in and they all die in the process which is exactly like well not all of them but most of them die in the process just like seven samurai yeah. I, I mean star wars originated in you know at least partially akira kurosawa movies that that samurai uh, ethos right Absolutely. that would have been an amazing movie i don't care that it's a straight remake do it in the star wars universe it, attach it to absolutely zero characters we've ever seen before that is a great movie i love that yeah, and i'm really disappointed that they've walked it back from that to taking these 
tepid little steps off the pathway. Here, this isn't about the Skywalkers, but it is about young Han Solo and all the characters you love. Like, okay, yeah, that's that's fine. But I, you, you, you guys know you have a full galaxy with a very like rich mythology to play with, right? Like, you could do this stuff. There's yeah. so many remakes of movies that come out. Uh, now, maybe that's a very jaded mindset, but it feels like there's a lot of remakes that come out these days. So why not? remake the seven seven uh, uh magnificent seven and have it in the star wars universe exactly I, I see no reason why that can't happen i am, i'm picturing it right now it's like i'd be thoroughly entertained i can think of very few groups of people who actually wouldn't be for that there's a lot of very hardcore cinema fans that would be for that there are a lot of very casual fans who don't care at all about kurosawa who still want to see that movie it's a win-win-win lots of force lots of lightsabers lots of battles It'd be very good. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, like, you, you just hit the hammer on the head that you could take... Like, if, if you went to IMDb and Googled, like, the top 100 movies of all time, you could basically take all of the non-Star Wars movies on that list and do a Star Wars version of that, <laughs> probably, right? And, like, just set it, like... <laughs> Just as long as you have a smart enough writer and then a director willing to execute that vision, you can kind of go. But we just we need to get away from this whole playing it safe with these Star Wars flicks. For God's sake, like let's 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 take some chances with the Star Wars. It's honestly it's why I like Last Jedi, and it's because they took some chances. I mean, maybe some like some would argue they took too many chances in that movie, but I I mean I was with it. I really liked that in that film that we found out that. Uh, you know, Ray's parents were were no were not like Ben Kenobi or so, or they're not attached to it at all. And that Snoke was nobody. <laughs> he just got killed, and it was like, get out of here. Yeah. Nobody cares about you anyway. And apparently, I was wrong about that because apparently, people were really attached to finding out who Snoke. Oh was, yeah, it was like no people care a lot, man. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I I'm not one of those people. I was like, who cares? Like, let's yeah, get yeah. on with no, this. I Tell agree. me a story here. Is just uh. yeah. I I was not I was not for it. Um, yeah, I I. The Darth Maul thing, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about because obviously they've got to touch it. Maybe I need to watch Rebels and and, and whatnot because uh, it's a good show, man. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I watched it. I just I I had so many shows going on that I'm like, God, I can't take on a children's Star Wars show, even though I really want to, and it and it looks pretty good. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just I'm all for meeting more of the. Cause like I'm I'm literally looking at movies on like I've got like my DVD case kind of next to of the of the few DVDs I I'm, I wish to keep you know in case the cloud ever goes away, and you know we need hard stuff, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, boy you could do Die Hard Star Wars style, easily, and then I'm like. <laughs> I'm looking at like some of the Tarantino, and I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, Django Unchained, you could easily do that. Just replace like you know. And, and, and you know, obviously Django and Chain was about like you know the black people being slaves and whatnot, which you know is deplorable, but exists in the Star Wars universe. Slavery exists. The Twi'leks are a heavy brand of of like a, a very enslaved race in the Star Wars universe. You could do Django Unchained, but have it like a Twi'lek is playing is, is you know like like that particular space brand is in the uh, is is in that role and I, like etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Like you could just man, there's so much stuff you could take, and I just. I really wish they would do that instead of just being like, hey, J.J. Abrams, remake what we've already done, yeah. <laughs> what we've already seen a million times. I just, I keep coming back to that with Star Wars, where it's just like, I wish they would take more chances. Um, 
So we know that episode nine is next. What do they have planned? Do they have anything planned for after nine? Uh, yeah, man, they're doing a Boba Fett movie. Oh no, really? How did I miss it? Did I just block that out of my head? I must. Have. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if that was real or not. Oh, I, <laughs> I was waiting just, for someone else to bring it up. I must have just scrubbed that from my brain. I, that's what I heard. Anyway, I could be wrong, but untitled I'm pretty Bo- sure. Untitled Boba Fett film, 2020. James Mangold attached to direct. Now it is James Mangold. Yeah, that's which James Mangold makes my nipples hard. I'll say that, <laughs> but ugh, man. Boba. If he can, if he can do half of what he did for Logan for Boba Fett, yeah, I'm I just, just saying. I've never understood the the cult status of of Boba Fett one iota. Never understood it. What like I just. He's got cool armor, man. Yeah, yeah is, is, that's, that, is that it? Armor. Is that it? He had he has a cool helmet and like and his blaster is kind of cool too. Like it, it's got like a like a weird like shotgun barrel, but it's not quite a shotgun, and it's just like. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the appeal, honestly. I, oh, I mean, man. keep keep in mind how much of of especially really early Star Wars was just like these throwaway one-liners, right? And you know, for for. Darth Vader to have to threaten someone extra, right? No disintegrations. That was like, who? Who is this guy? What's his deal? And like, yeah. that's that's what a lot of like... early Star Wars ran on was that mystique, right? Yeah. I mean, even the even the Kessel Run was like this this throwaway thing, right? I was thought Honestly... Kessel Run was a race. I'll be honest with you. In, in my when I was a kid, because we talked about like what we what we kind of said in in. Uh... You, we touched on it earlier with Rob and his and his Wookiee yeah. correlation there. Yeah, I yeah, always yeah. I always thought that like in my head the Kessel Run was always some sort of space race that Han well, Solo got famous like got like infamous for winning right throughout the galaxy. The thing I always liked about that line though is that as soon as he says it, I made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs. Ben rolls his eyes at him. Yeah. He looks at him and he's like, "Who? Like, look, t- take a, take a look at this guy. Like, he yeah. he acts like he knows that Solo's full of crap." And I always kind of preferred to believe that he was lying about that, honestly, because that's the sort of thing he would do. He acts outraged that everyone hasn't heard of him when he's really just nobody. He's a nobody. He's a smuggler who loses his cargo and he's in a bad situation. Yeah, he's a drug dealer, by the way. And isn't afraid of running away either. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, yeah isn't afraid to be a coward. They, they did make space, that apparent in this movie. And is yeah. a space drug dealer, too, right? Yeah. Like, like he was yeah. absolutely a space drug dealer or a drug runner anyway. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, no, he was running. He wasn't selling on the street, man. Let's not get that low. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, yeah, he was not on the corner. He was not. He was not Michael K. Williams trying to protect his corner on Corellia, right? Like, uh, man, I mentioned L three being being friggin' uh, Jar Jar adjacent for me. Boba Fett is Deadpool adjacent for me. Yikes! He, he is Deadpool adjacent. I just don't get it. I I don't get the 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 Phantom. I guess. To me, if, if, if I if you had if you asked me to pinpoint why I think like something besides the cool helmet, I guess it would be that the greatest one of the greatest just most badass bad guy performances of all time in Empire when Vader's just going around choking everything that moves with his mind and he's so frightening and he has the scene where like you know we would be honored if you would join us in that so thing and he's just going around being like you know i've altered the deal to pray i don't alter it for and just doing that whole thing just giving everybody shit the entire film and and like daring everybody to do something about it too right the entire yeah. time in empire just daring lando the entire he's like do something about it buddy and 
um, Boba Fett's kind of the only dude who gives him lip the entire yeah. film. He he's the yep. guy who goes, he's no good to me, dead, right? And and Vader goes, you know, well, if we kill him, we'll we'll compensate you for your efforts or whatever, right? And like that's yep. just yeah, to me that's kind of the only one. Other than that, right? You know, it's that that's the only thing I have to point to where I would yeah. go, okay, that guy's pretty badass because like let's face it, he dies like yeah. a bitch. Oh, oh yeah. God, well, like... Adam brought up the initial one with the Vader explicitly tells Boba Fett no disintegrations, and then you yeah. brought up that yeah. Uh, yeah, Boba Fett talks back to Vader about like, hey, you're screwing me here. Yeah. Don't fuck with it. Money's on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I mean, it's all about that paper. (laughs) Everyone else who's ever talked back to Vader has either died um, or was like the only other ones I can think of are the Emperor and Tarkin. And, you know, they were clearly ranked above them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and who's this guy? He's a a hired gun. He's a mercenary. What's he doing? His name is, but in episode four, Vader chokes the one guy, but Tarkin stops him from completely choking him out. Yeah. Um, He'd be the only other one that gets away with it. Yeah. Uh, no, they, they brought in another one in uh, Force Awakens when Buddy shows up to grovel while Vader's at his uh, choke on its your temple. aspirations or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That, was, that was a corny-ass line. Um, yeah, I just... I mean, the, the thing, I'm weird. I'm just thinking, like, where do they go with... I, the Boba Fett film. I guess if they just do... Because, I mean, like, they can't do Boba Fett's origin, because we already got Boba Fett's origin in the worst Star Wars movie of all time, Attack of the Clones, right? Like, I heard oh, of come on. One. You're saying Attack of the Clones is worse than Phantom Menace? Yeah, I think Attack of the Clones is, is, is far worse than Phantom Menace. I really do. I heard one good pitch for the Boba Fett movie, and I am changing subject because I don't feel like wading into this friggin' quagmire. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, Fair go No, we don't Fair have enough. to have... No, we're definitely not having the worst Star Wars movie of all time. I said my piece, and that's it. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. what, what, good what, enough. What's, what's your pitch? The, the only good pitch I heard, and again, not mine at all, saw this on Twitter, okay. was... Um, it, it was it was set up as like an elevator pitch, and it was like, you know, guy finds, uh, you know, acid pitted armor in the middle of the Tatooine desert beside the Sarlacc pit, puts it on, everyone starts treating him like oh. he's a badass, goes from there, right? Oh, oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, for, uh, Mark Bernardin brought that up on on his review with Kevin Smith when they did their solo review. He brought that oh, up, yeah. and, and they, he brought that up in the Scum and Villainy Cantina, and that idea was booed in that room. Now that. You're in the scum and villainy cantina in somewhere in Los Angeles, so I assume you're only filled with that room is only filled with the stereotypical Star Wars person who doesn't want to see things change or have new stories told. So Oh, I'd imagine so. Yeah, so I that's mean, not the else, audience to pull, right? So, what else are they gonna do though? Like, an, another movie that's five years before a new hope? I guess, like, yeah. Like I mean it would have to be it, it could just be it could be my thing of now. I I didn't want this to be Boba Fett, but it could just be it's a Boba Fett movie. We're just gonna watch him take a job, and the job's gonna have nothing to do with like he's Boba Fett. Like he like when the movie starts, he's Boba Fett. He's a mercenary. He's got his armor. We're not spinning the web because we already did in Attack of the Clones, which was trash. About you know where he gets where he comes from and where he gets his armor. Blah 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 blah. So he's already Boba Fett, and we just go. And he takes a job, and the job goes south, and maybe people are trying to kill him, and he has yeah. to not oh, get, get killed, right? And I got, I got, I got two right? things on that. 
Yeah. One, he doesn't actually have his armor unless he paints it. Okay. Because it, it's different from... It is different armor. Yeah. He's right. I'm, yeah, I'm not... Um, again. We're spending too much time talking about Boba Fett. Right. Two, like... um, if that's the case with what you were saying, it's the same situation as Solo. There's zero threat that Boba Fett will die. True. If yeah. if his life if his life is in danger and it's a prequel, he's he gets out of it. He'll live. Yeah, I guess I she, guess the, the other way to go is to do the the the, the fake kind of Pat Oswalt joke storyline from uh uh from from his what was it his fake filibuster from uh Parks oh, yeah. Creation where oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you you open like it's we're doing the Boba Fett movie and it literally pans down to the pit of you know to the Sarlacc pit. You know, you know, you get the you get the sun and the two moons on Tatooine, and then it pans down. Sarlacc pits there, and it's silence. And then all of a sudden, the you know the 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 Mandalorian gauntlet comes, and Boba Fett like pulls himself out of the Sarlacc pit, dusts himself off, goes, "Oh, that was a close one." And then it's like, "All right," and now we're we're watching the Boba Fett movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, looking back to the legends, he survived many many years after that. Like he made, he blew yeah. himself out of the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and grenade and launched himself out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You, you, you could do that. I mean, the other way that you could go with this, which would be very interesting, and again, you'd need a very good writer to pull this off, is maybe the Boba Fett in the original trilogy is not, you know, little mini clone guy from Attack of the Clones. Maybe there's been a few. Maybe they just keep stealing the armor. Yeah. Could make for a really interesting little vignette. But again, I, I don't know. Who knows? It's never going to be what we're talking about here, right? No. I, they're going to pick, pick something very safe. It's going to be Boba's first job after getting a new set of Mandalorian armor to prove himself as a bounty hunter, blah, blah, blah. And he meets Dengar for the first time. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I, I hope it's not that. the villain of the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, it's a race to see who can kill a target. Like, if they did the Great Hunt, that'd be pretty cool. And yeah. Like yeah. You, get, you get to see all those all those bounty hunters who were in that room when he goes, you know, we need uh, Bosk and all those guys are there and they're all like running to get, you know, I don't know. That'd yeah. be I'd be all right if it was some sort of great hunt movie and all the bounty hunters of Star Wars lore are there. And, and if that's what it's going to be, somebody. and we want to make if that's so, what it's going to be, we want to make like a no stakes movie. That's fine, but it so, needs uh, to be yeah. no stakes. They can't pretend like there's stakes because yeah. that yeah. You know what it no. is? You know what it is? Here it is. It's we, we talked about remaking movies in the Star Wars universe. It's the fucking cannonball run. <laughs> it's it's the fucking cannonball run just with all of these Star Wars bounty hunters running to a certain place. They're all on their ships and they're all fucking each other over and they're all making they're, and they're all trying to go after one guy who's got a big ass bounty on his head. There you go. I just wrote the Star Wars movie. It's the fucking cannonball run. <laughs> there we go. Oh god. Um, anything else you guys want to add about the solo movie? Um, Han shot first. I, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> I feel like yeah. we missed a really big thing, which is how do you guys feel about seeing Han Solo played by someone other than Harrison Ford? Right, right. Okay, you're right. I completely glossed over that. Um, it to me was not as bad as it had seemed on the internet. Elden, I, like, I was, I fully went in there thinking, okay, this Elden, Elden Reich guy, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, looks very milk toasty. And sure. he's going to be in scenes with Donald Glover and Woody Harrelson just blowing him off the goddamn screen. And then throw Paul Bittany in there, who, as you mentioned, was just num 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 with the <laughs> the entire time. 
he didn't stand up to the task to me, but I don't think he failed. Is is the best way I can put it. It was like okay, not great, and it had to do with some of the reshoot scenes to me, like the line where he goes. Like, any of the scenes with him and Amelia Clark, I never bought that Amelia Clark is going <laughs> to leave her, like... <laughs> it's, like, for this guy, right? Like, I like I never bought that Amelia Clark is character who, who went from, like, living in the sewers in this shithole to now she's, like, got this, like, million-dollar dress on and is wearing all this super-ass jewelry in, uh, you know, on this pleasure barge or whatever and is kind of an underboss of Crimson Dawn. I never bought that she's like, yeah, I'm going to leave all this for this guy, <laughs> right? It just... But, yeah. uh... Yeah, Han Solo being... I mean, there's no comparing it to, to Empire Han Solo, to to, to yeah. Empire Strikes Back. It's, it's just that you're, they're, they're not comparable whatsoever. But with the big shoes to fill, I don't want to say that Alden Ironreich, again, not great with names. I'm not going to say he met the challenge, but I definitely don't think that he failed it like the ceiling was was really low but the floor was also higher than we thought are you saying the floor was higher than the ceiling (laughs) the ceiling is the roof to quote the great michael jordan uh i don't know what what did you think adam you know i think he did okay i think he did fine it took me a while to like kind of fall into the mindset that like okay well this is han solo now it's scene to scene right for me with yeah, 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 definitely. And some of them, it was very like, okay, well, this is Han Solo. And some of them, I don't know. He did fine. He's a decent actor. I think more than anything, he pretty much highlights why they need to stop doing such well-trod stories. I mean, even something like Boba Fett, love it or hate it as an idea, you're putting a mask over the guy's head. It doesn't matter who's under there, really. Yeah. To take someone and go, this is the same character that Harrison Ford played, especially so soon after Harrison Ford was playing that character, yeah, I don't buy it. You know what I mean? Like, they could so easily do a story where that's just not an issue. And it's tough, because you're comparing it to the same movie where, you know, Donald Glover's playing Lando Calrissian and it does a phenomenal job of that. But, like, that's that's still a hard one to pull off, and they got lucky having that guy kicking around willing to do it. Um just make new characters. Stop making people compare them to the originals. Cause like there are always going to be people who are unwilling to accept the alternative. Yeah. Someone, someone yeah. is going to step up to the plate and pitch an original star Wars movie with original characters. And this new Disney era of star Wars is going to fucking take off from there. And, and like, it's well, just, that's it's, it's going to happen. I think that's what the Ryan Johnson ones are, right? Is a trilogy yeah. of completely unrelated movies. Now we're how many years out from it, but still. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, uh, Rob? What was your What was your take on Alden? I Iron Yeah, Iron I think it's Aaron Reich, but yeah, Aaron Reich, yeah. Aaron Reich. All right. I, I thought he did a fine job. Um, very early on, the initial thing was like, yep, this is jarring because I just keep wanting to picture um, Harrison Ford. But uh, it's like, all right, so this is Han Solo now. Okay, fine. But what threw me was it wasn't until after I saw the movie and had to look it up is what the timeline was from when the movie ended until when A New Hope began. You should have been more clear about that. Because to me, it felt like 
so in a couple years, it's a new hope. What the fuck? But it turns out it's more like 10 years. Um, so with 10 years, it's like, all right, let him age. Maybe it would work out. He might end up looking like Harrison Ford. Sure. Why not? Um, but initially, like with it being a couple of years, it's like, yeah, if you're just looking at how he acts or how he looks, it's like that can be rather jarring for some, I guess. And I think but. it's a big problem with movies that are remakes of movies rather than like, this is the thing that we're more than willing to accept with say comic book movies, right? Oh, yeah. this is the guy playing Spider-Man. Now he's the fourth person to play Spider-Man for, you know, over the past 20 years. Fine. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, when, those characters are so tied to the actors that played them. It's really hard to get that into your head and like relax into it. I mean, remember when the Star Trek movies came out and it's kind of like, okay, this guy's sort of like, you know, X from the old shows, but it never really quite was the same. But I think the main difference, sorry to interrupt. I I think the main difference is um, they weren't the same universe. Yeah, exactly. This is, saying we are in the same universe this happened before it and then becomes a new hope and all that whereas like with star trek there was the old one now there's the new one different universes granted they cross it's actually more of a multiverse yeah but uh no they were distinct and same with the spider-man reboots and things like that yeah i agree with you completely like the the, uh, that's what i'm saying it's jarring enough and it's a multiverse to try and put that in a in a sequel format it's not it's not easy to pull off no. That being said, no one noticed that there's a new actor for Chewie. So yeah, like I said, Mass is going to go <laughs> finish long basketball way helping star. us out. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> finish basketball star Jonas Suetamo, whose name he is... was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was appropriately tall. Yeah, uh, yeah. in all of the scenes. So. <laughs> oh man, I was waiting for it to be announced that like Kristaps Porzingis was playing Chewbacca <laughs> just to really get the Nick fans all. They're like, ah, oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty good crossover podcast joke to go out on. Um, hmm. Rob, uh, overall grade for Solo? Uh, when I left the movie, I think I would have said a six. After thinking about it, I'd probably say seven. So I'm just going to go for the middle and say six and a half out of ten. Yeah. Adam? Uh, I'd be willing to give it a seven. Yeah, I, 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 right there. I think that's seven is the range it should be in, right? Six, seven, I think, depending on how you feel. I'm... I'm more in the seven it definitely doesn't go higher than seven um was this movie better or worse than suicide squad rob go uh, <laughs> are we talking the whole movie or the first <laughs> part hour, yeah. <laughs> it's not better than the first half hour of suicide squad it but can't it's better compare than to the, the first half hour, hour. <laughs> yeah but on a whole i'd say i'd watch the whole movie again <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh, God, we got to do the Suicide Squad commentary someday. Um, yeah, so that'll be it for, for this week. Crossover Podcast will be crossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossoverpodcast, and soundcloud.com slash crossoverpodcast. We will be back next week. Mac is going to be back on, and we might have a special guest lined up for that particular episode where we are going to talk about... Uh, the wrestling pay-per-view Money in the Bank is going to be not this Sunday, but the Sunday after. So we'll probably be previewing Money in the Bank with Max since everybody really liked our WrestleMania preview. We're going to run that back. And again, possibly with a 
uh, uh, guest for that uh, particular episode. I don't know what we're going to do after that. I think we'll be in Luke Cage territory, um, which I'm not thrilled about. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm not thrilled to have to... to well, you can blame HBO because we have to still wait for Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's true. It's really true. But, I mean, even if even if it was, I'd still want to review Luke Cage, but, man, the Netflix series yeah. are... are tough they're tough to get through man they really are I'll, punisher was a nice breath of fresh air but then jessica jones season two holy hell man that was whoo that was not great rob Callflesh, nice talking to you good to have thanks you. for having me back I'll have you back again eventually adam go ahead and plug all your stuff you just recently had an episode come out yeah so uh you can find me at hi101.ca for hi101 podcast uh just dropped one on the Punic Wars, which is some very old uh, Roman war drama. It's some good stuff. Um, yeah, just had our fourth anniversary, so things are going pretty well over here. Um, so you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, all the usual places. Awesome. I couldn't believe the Fabian War came up, in, or the Fabian strategy came up in that particular podcast. I was, uh, I was like, oh my god, the 30 Rock thing. <laughs> yeah, man, that's where it all begins. <laughs> that was great. Uh, Kevin was on that. Uh, I'm sure if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard Kevin. He was in that particular episode, so yeah, sure was. Familiar voices on on that set. It was really good. I really enjoyed the the, the Punic War episode. Oh, thanks, um, man. Yeah, it, it, it was excellent. Uh, so we'll talk to you next time on the Crossover Podcast with a little bit of the wrestling, like I said. And, uh, yeah, take care, everybody, and talk to you next time.